All right, the book of Revelation. Now, my, my Bible says the revelation of St. John the Divine. Does it, the front of y'all's, uh, does y'all's chapter heading say that? The revelation of St. John the Divine. And now, he's divine because he's a diviner, and a diviner is a teller of the, true, teller of the future. So it's okay to call St. John the Divine because he is a diviner because everything you're going to read in here is he's going to tell you the future. And it's amazing. Now, some Bibles don't. Some Bibles don't say. Some of them just say the book of Revelation or Revelations. But it's the revelation of St. John Divine. That's what mine says. Okay. Now, that's what chapter 1 is going to tell us. Verse 1 is going to tell us that it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, this Bible, I mean, this book of the Bible has 22 chapters, has 404 verses, and I have it down as 11,995 words. And you say, why are you giving us those stats? Well, because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So you need every one of these words, just like you need to eat bread every day. Now, this book of, book of Revelation was written by John, John the, uh, the disciple of John, the one that was beloved of Jesus Christ, the one that was laying on Jesus Christ's breast, the one that was, uh, John's one that wrote the book of the Gospel of John that uh, Brother Alvin reads for us every Sunday. Uh, he's a great disciple. He's a great type of the church, and we'll get into that later on in the book of Revelation. John was, uh, John was one, John is one of the only disciples that we believe never died a martyr's death. We believe he just died of old age. He lived into his 90s and this passed away. Every other disciple uh, died a martyr's death, was killed, beheaded, uh, stoned, something happened to him. John's the only one that got away, <laughs> that actually got away. We believe it was written, and I believe it was written in 95 A.D. It's got to be written between somewhere between 90 and 97 A.D., somewhere in there, 95. I put it down as 95 A.D. Why is that so important? Because some scholars, and they're, and they're, they're not smart to do this, they try to put the book of Revelation being written before 70 A.D. And the reason why they, write, they have, it, have John writing the book of Revelation before 70 A.D. because if you know anything about history and church history, 70 A.D., Romans came in with Titus and they destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. And they ran a lot of the Jews out and the Jews were dispersed to all the known world. They didn't come back until 1948. That's an amazing prophecy. But... Uh, they try to put it before 70 A.D. for this reason. They try to make everything you're going to read in the book of Revelation in the past. They try to make it that this already took place. It's all symbolic. Uh, it, this represented Nero and the Antichrist is Nero and this, that, and another. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I've never sat under a man or read a book that's written in that manner because I think that's just completely out of, out of bounds. I wouldn't waste my time. But there are men that teach it that way. And I don't know how they teach it. Because you have to symbolize, everything has to be symbolic. Guys, when you read your Bible, you just believe what you're reading. You don't have to understand it, you just believe it. You take it for what it says. If it says some locusts come out of the ground, they have, they have uh, heads like horses and faces of men, you just believe what you're reading. Okay? Now, we'll, when we get into that, we'll look at what maybe that might be. But they, to, try to, take this Bible, to try to take this book and try to put it before 70 A.D. to try to teach... All this stuff in the past, that's trying to take away the Jew. That's trying to take, replace, it's called replacement theology. They're trying to pay, say we replace the Jew. It's all a bunch of nonsense. All millennialism, premillennialism, 
uh, not, I mean, uh, post-millennialism, amillennialism, we are pre-millennial. That means we believe in a, we believe in a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ that is future, that's coming, that could start happening any time. We believe that, and that's what pro- the book of the Bible, the Bible teaches us through the different books, that Jesus Christ is going to sit on a throne in Jerusalem, is going to rule the Bible, this Bible here, this book here says it's going to be for a thousand years. <clears throat> we'll get into all of that. <clears throat> Okay, let's get going. Anybody have any questions while we're getting started? What did they mean? The year of our Lord. If there's a Latin word. A lot of people think thinks A.D. stands for after death. A.D. does not represent after death. It is a time of Jesus Christ's birth. And everybody's birthday... Is based on the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're an atheist listening to me. If you were born in 1975, that's 1,975 years from Jesus Christ's birth, the year of our Lord. Not, does anybody know what that is? A stands for like annual in the AD, Anias or annual is the Latin. And then the D stands for Dios, Lord, God. Year of our God, year of our Lord, year of Jesus Christ, the year he was born. So we know, according to our calendars, 1,000 or 2,017 years ago was around about the time Jesus Christ was born. So I get that. Now the, new, the scholars nowadays, they try to take all that away. They try to say C.E. and B.C.E. Now C.E., instead of A.D., they like to say C.E. C.E. stands for, they call that common error. E-R-A. I can't even hardly say that word. Common error. And then BCE would be before the common error. Well, a duck, by any other name, is still a duck. What is, what's the common error and what's the before the common error? There's, a, there's, there's something going on there. What is, you have to ask your scholar, your professor, what is, what was, what, then what's BCE and what's CE? What's the main point? The main point, there was a man named Jesus Christ that was born. That's the, it don't matter if you call it AD or, or you call it BC or BCE or CE, it's, all about Jesus Christ. You can't get away from Jesus Christ is what I'm trying to show. I don't care if you're an atheist or not. All right, let's get going into the book of Revelation. Verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has been given to God, that's given to John. Let's look at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, God gave to Jesus Christ to show unto his servants... This was given for you guys. So this book is for you. God said, I'm showing through Jesus Christ, I'm showing you what's going to come in the future, and then Jesus Christ is showing you what's going to come in the future. There's no doubt. We know how it ends. It's a happily ever after ending. you got to get a hold of that. God wants you to know. I don't care what tribulations you're going through in this life right now. I don't care what kind of problems you're going through in this life right now. In the end, it will turn out okay. And God wants you to know that. Which God gave unto him to show unto his servants, that's me and you, things which must shortly come to pass. So this stuff could come to pass shortly. And he thought it was going to come past shortly. Now, some of this stuff has come to pass. Through the book of, through the, the book of Revelation, you're going to see this stuff's coming to pass in church history. Book of Revelation is broke down in this way. I didn't put my board up. I should have done it. But we're just going to have to, I'm going to have to tell you this and just going to have to picture it in your mind. Book of Revelation is broke up like this. The first, first three chapters is church history. Chapters 1 through 3 is going to be church history. It's going to be 
written to local churches like the church of Pergamos, the church of Ephesus. That's literal churches that existed at the time of John when Jesus Christ told him to write to these literal churches. But it's also representing church history. That's chapters 1 through 3. And when we get into that, I'll show you why, through this transparency, that it does represent church history. Now, starting in John chapter, I mean, starting in Revelation chapter 4, John is raptured up, he's took up into heaven, and from that point on, the church is not mentioned anymore. The church is not mentioned anymore until Revelation 19. So you have from Revelation chapter 4 all the way to Revelation 19, what we think of as the book of Revelation. That's the tribulation period. That's the mark of the beast. That's when all heck breaks loose on earth. Let's say hell. All hell breaks loose, loose on earth. That's Revelation 4 to Revelation 19. That's the, that's the seven seals. That's the seven trumpets. That's the seven vows. That's the seven personages. That's all these things that God's pouring his wrath out on mankind and the Jew is in tribulation. The Old Testament calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. You'll see that in your Old Testament reading. You'll be reading through and it says, In the time of Jacob's trouble. Well, that's that time. The tribulation period. The great tribulation, Jesus Christ says. Now, that's Revelation 4 all the way up to Revelation 19. That's a good place to mark it up. What happens at Revelation 19? Revelation 19, Jesus Christ comes back onto this earth. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation 19, on a horse, crowns, a name written on his side, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, a, a sword coming out of his mouth. He comes back, the battle of Armageddon takes place. Then Revelation chapter 20, a thousand year reign, the millennial reign, and then a new heavens and a new earth, a great white throne judgment, and then the end. Now, without the book of Revelation, you would not know how Satan gets his. You, wouldn't, you know Satan's going to get his. Because Jesus Christ says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels in Matthew. But you don't see it happen. You just know it's going to happen. In the book of Revelation, you get to see it happen. You get to hear and read Jesus Christ throwing Satan into hell. You get to read where the Antichrist is thrown into hell. All this stuff takes place in the book of Revelation. So you need the book of Revelation, guys. You hear about heaven, but you don't know about the streets of gold unless you have the book of Revelation. You don't, you don't understand there's no death, there's no crying, there's no sorrow. There's a new heavens and there's a new earth. There's, all this stuff is created. That's the book of Revelation. Okay, that's the book of Revelation. Now, some of this stuff can be found mixed in through Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and some of the old prophets. But you don't know how Satan gets his without the book of Revelation. So important to have this book. Now, some scholars have tried to take this book out. And it's going to be real obvious when you read it because it's really, really strange. It's not going to be hard to understand the book of Revelation. You can understand what's, what you're reading. It's going to be really, really hard to believe it. You can understand there's heaven, there's a rainbow, there's a throne, there's a lightning, there's thunder. You, going, you can understand those things, amen, because you live where there's lightning and thunder. You can picture a throne, but do you believe it? Because there's going to get some strange things in here. But hey, guys, don't. You don't have to, we don't, we're not going to understand everything about the book of Revelation. Because the author of the book of Revelation is smarter than me and you. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to be able to understand it. But we're going to be able to understand a bunch of it. And we're going to see how it all marks out. So that's a good outline. Revelation 1 through 4. And then from 4 to 19. And then from 9 to the end of 19. All the way to the end of the book. Chapter 22. 
is a good breakup. So the first three chapters, we're going to talk about church history. So back in Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 2. Who bear record of the word of God. Now he's the word of God. Notice that's a lowercase w, so that's the actual words that God has spoken. This is John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So John tells you, I'm bearing record of all this. But he also says that Jesus Christ has a testimony. See that? The testimony of Jesus Christ. Well, what's the testimony of Jesus Christ? Look at Revelation 19, verse 10. Let's go to Revelation 19, 10. Let's scripture to scripture. Use scripture to... You use the Bible to interpret itself. If, you don't, if you're reading something you don't understand it, keep on reading, because a lot of times the Bible will explain it. Revelation 19.10. Let's skip ahead to Revelation 19.10. And I fell, this is John speaking, and I fell at his feet to worship. This is one of the, uh, the, the, the men or the angels that was showing John something. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have... The testimony of Jesus. Okay, we all have the testimony of Jesus. What's that? Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. That's a testimony of Jesus Christ. Who can raise their hand this morning and tell me where they're going to go when they die? I know where I'm going when I die. I'm going to a place called heaven. You just prophesied. <laughs> You're a prophet. You just prophesied. You just told the future. That's a testimony of prophecy thanks to who? Jesus Christ. You're telling the future because of Jesus Christ. So that's the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what makes people hate. Hate Jesus Christ. Why is that? You don't know where you're going. Nobody can know. Oh, yes, I do know. <laughs> Religions, good religions, religious people, they'll come and tell you, nobody can know where they're going when they die. I know where I'm going when I die. Yes, sir, I do. Thanks to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I know exactly where I'm going when I die. That's the testimony of Jesus. That's why the Jehovah's, that's why the Mormons, that's why sometimes the Catholics, they hate that stuff. Why? Because it shows Jesus Christ as a prophet. It's a, his testimony is a spirit of prophecy. His, Jesus Christ's testimony is not that he healed people, that he walked on water. That's what the world likes to think about. And they like to mock. No, the testimony of Jesus Christ, I just read it to you, is the spirit of prophecy. You can tell people what's going to happen. I can tell a person, have you received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? They're like, no. I can tell you by the spirit of prophecy that you're going to wind up in hell. That makes me a prophet. See, that, that, and how am I doing that? Through the word of God, through the spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. You need Jesus Christ. You need to receive Jesus Christ so you can go to heaven. Have you received Jesus Christ? Yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I can tell you that you will be in heaven. <laughs> that's the spirit of Jesus Christ. See, that's your testimony. Guys, we're here this morning not because something happened 10, 15 years ago. Maybe you were in church 20 years ago and the Sunday school teacher led you to Jesus Christ. Maybe a pastor led you to Jesus Christ. You're in here this morning because you know there's a future coming where you're going to be in heaven. Amen. Amen. This isn't about something that happened 20 years ago. This is where you're going to go in the future. Jesus Christ is not for this lifetime now. He's for the future to come. 
Paul said, if, we're, if Jesus Christ was for this lifetime only, Paul said, if Jesus Christ was for this life only, we would be men most miserable. Amen. You want to know why Christians are so miserable today? They're thinking that Jesus Christ is for right now. Hey, Christians get cancer. Christians get sick. Bad things happen to Christians, just like happens to atheists, just like happens to, to the world. Sometimes the world has it better than us. Then what's Jesus Christ for? The future to come. <laughs> He's for heaven. He's for going to heaven. He's for what we're going to read in here. That's what the testimony of Jesus Christ is. He's not to make your life better here. He's to make your life better to come. Now, living the principles of Jesus Christ will make your life better here. Amen. You can live a Christian life and have a better life and, 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 and not have all the misery and sorrow, but... We all know in here, and we know it really well, that even, uh, even good Christians that don't drink, don't smoke, don't do anything, they have bad things happen to them. I'm not, I can't promise you that nothing's going bad is going to happen to you. As a matter of fact, it's a tribulation. It's a tribulation. You will be in tribulation being a Christian. All right, so let's go to verse 3. Verse 3. Blessed, blessed, every one of you in here, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. You want a blessing? This is the only book of your Bible that's promised a blessing to you if you will read it or you will hear it being read. Praise the Lord. Amen. You're in here this morning. You're getting a blessing. You're getting a blessing. So many people, I run into so many Christians that say, well, I'm scared of the book of Revelation. I'm afraid of the book. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. That's the only book that's promised a blessing. It's a blessing. It says, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. You want a blessing in your life? Read the book of Revelation. You want a blessing in your life? life? Hear it being read. That's the blessing. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. See, it over and over again, guys, it's getting close. Time is at hand. These things must shortly come to pass. Hey, guys, it's, it's, it's at hand. And if it was at hand 2,000 years ago, how much closer is it now? Amen. I'm getting ready for Jesus to come back. I'm ready. But he says to keep those things which are written therein. So you don't want to change a word. Guys, you do not want to change a word of this. Amen. Turn to Revelation 22. Let's look at this. We need to get the warning. We're getting into this a little deeper. We need to get the warning. Turn to the very last chapter, some of the last verses of the book of Revelation. Now, this, these, these verses I'm about to read you, Revelation 22, 18 and 19, these apply to the book of Revelation, but I apply them to the whole Bible. And I'm about to show you some other verses of the Bible that will that, work. But guys, you, you don't want to mess with God's Word. See that thing that's laying in your lap? You don't understand it, but for sure don't you try to change it. Amen. Dangerous. Verse 18. For I testify unto every man. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. Okay, you're hearing them. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. You want to add to this thing? God says, I'll add to you those plagues. So don't you, add a, don't you add a word to this thing. Don't you add a word so it makes more sense to you. 
Don't you add a word. Me and Brother Joker were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago at work. Don't you mess with the Word of God. Don't, don't mess with the Word of God. There's, look at verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Woo! Now, y'all know, because y'all have heard my preaching, and poor, poor sister Carolyn and brother George and brother Raymond been here for 10 years listening to this stuff. I am an adamant Baptist. What does that mean? I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. I believe that once you receive Jesus Christ, you're in His hands. You've got eternal life. You can't lose it no matter what you do. And I, and I preach that and I teach that and I show you the verses to prove it. But that verse, verse, that verse 19 will wake you up. Amen. Me and Brother Joker were just talking about this because he was asking me, we were talking about this. Well, that's a book of life. You want your name written. You've got to have your name written in the book of life. Amen. And God says there, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Guys, that's a serious, very serious warning to you not to mess with the Word of God. People, you know, I have people make fun of us because we're King James only. I've even had them sit up here from the pulpit and say, you know, those hillbillies, they're all King James, that's all they'll read, and those hillbillies, you know. Well, you're in the grave and I'm not. And the point is, is that uh, I don't mess with the Word of God. And when the Lord opened my eyes up and started showing me how I was messing with His words, I changed my tune. I wasn't an IV guy. I was a New King James. I was these different versions. And I was using the Greek and using the Hebrew to change God's words. And then I realized one day, I was sitting there, I realized, you know what I'm doing? I'm picking and choosing what I want it to say. I would look at a Greek, because the Greek is just like the English, guys. It has different different definitions for the same word. Yeah, the same word, but it could have different definitions. So I'd read through those definitions of a Greek word and say, okay, I like what that says, and that's what I would say, that's what it means. Now, who's the final authority? God's the final, but when I'm doing that, who's the final authority? Me. You got to come to Brother Keegan to find out what God said. Because, see, I know the Greek, and I can show you the Greek, and I can see how that goes. Puts me on a higher pedestal. Guys, the final authority is God. And in here, in this church, the final authority is not Brother Keegan. The final authority is this book in your lap. When I leave this church, Lord willing, whenever it, be, it is, I want y'all to remember this about me. Say, Brother Keegan, at least he never took away our book and he gave us a book. I gave you the Bible. And I wanted you to have the Bible. In other words, I want you to have God's words. If I, if I was to die or this place was to get blown up or uh, the government was coming and shut all this down, you still have God's words. You don't need to come to me and say, Hey, Brother Keegan, what does the Greek say in, in Revelation chapter 1? What's the Greek word? I really want to know what God has for me. You see that's what's going on in churches today? You understand the problem? That pastors are standing up saying, Well, in the Greek it really means. And in the Hebrew it really means. Well, who has a Hebrew Bible? Does any, any one of y'all have a Hebrew Bible in here? Well, I do. Does anybody have a Greek Bible? I do. And I don't ever use it. I use this. <laughs> and I want y'all to use this. You've got God's Word that He wants you to have right here. That's so important, guys, to grab a hold of. Now, let, let, but let's close this morning. I want to show you some more of this. Turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. I want to show you some more of this. Just show you God's warnings about His words. Deuteronomy chapter 4. 
Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. God has given Moses commandments, and he's telling them in these commandments what he expects out of them, but he gives them a warning there in verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Notice this is at the very front of your Bible. It's not, at the, it's not at the very, very front, but it's at the towards of the front. Amen. Amen. So you're seeing it starts at the beginning of God's words. He tells you this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the, word of, uh, unto the word which I command you. Neither shall you diminish aught from it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. That you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. He tells them, don't you add to it and don't you diminish from it. Don't you add to it and don't you take away. Don't let anybody take away parts of your Bible. That's what the NIV does. The NIV takes away literally thousands and thousands and thousands of verses. Well, not verses, but words. Let's go with words. Just thousands of words. And that's why we have those Bible reading charts back there, the uh, comparison charts to show you all the words that are missing. That's a dangerous thing. Can you think of somebody in your Bible that added to the Word of God? Can you think of anybody in your Bible that added to the Word of God? You just read it. If you're taking the reading challenge, you just read it. You maybe not even notice it. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Eve did. Eve added to the Word of God. Look at Genesis chapter, look at Genesis chapter 1. I think it's chapter 2, actually. The first of Genesis. Look at look at chapter two, verse sixteen. Look at verse 16. Get the context. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and dressed, to dress it and to keep it. So there he is. God said in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou, that, that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. There's the commandment. Now turn to Genesis chapter 3. Satan comes to Eve and asks Eve in verse 1. What's the first thing Satan says to Eve in verse 1? And he said unto the woman, what does Satan say? Through the serpent, yea, hath God said. He questions God. Are you sure that's what God said? Are you sure that's what's in your Bible? Are you sure that's what the Bible says? Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. That's how, God, that's how Satan works. Satan works on you by making you question the Word of God. Amen. That's how he works on you, each one of you. And that's when he sends people your way, that's the way the devil's going to work through the Jehovah's Witness, through the Mormons, through whoever, whatever it is. They're going to have you question it. Are you sure that's what God's saying? That's a devil. Look what Eve does, though. Verse 2, she's going to quote God. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden... But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, 
lest you die. Did he say you couldn't touch it? She just added to the word of God. Why do you think, why do you figure she did that? She's scared and it makes it, it makes it, it makes God look that much worse. You know, mama won't let me do this and she won't let me do this either. And mama, you know, don't you feel sorry for me? Because I can't, I can't eat it and I can't even touch it. God didn't ever tell you you couldn't touch it. But she added to it. Make somebody feel sorry for her, for her. See, she's trying to get the serpent to have sympathy for her. Well, I can't eat it or touch it. God never said you couldn't touch it. Do you see how she's added to the word of God? That's the problem from the very beginning, guys. And that's why at the end, God says at the very end of the book of Revelation, the very end of your Bible, it says, don't you add to, don't you take away. Turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30. Now, this is about in the middle of your Bible. Not quite, but pretty close, right? Turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Verse 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. This is about the middle of your Bible. So I showed you the front of your Bible, the problem that's going on, and God said, don't you add to or take away. Look at Proverbs chapter 30. Every word of God, verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure, guys. Verse 6, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. The first, the first sin that ever was committed in the Garden of Eden was Eve lying. Isn't that just what that said? She added to it. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. It all started with her lying. Guys, I think a lot of us can say, I'm not a murderer, I'm not an adulterer. A lot of us in here... Can, can confess to not being a lot of things that God has commanded us. But I don't know of a person. I don't know of a person on this earth that can't ever admit they've never told a lie. And that lie, one lie, if you told one lie, that will send you to hell. Amen. How many murders does it take for a murderer to commit to be called a murderer? Just one. If you kill one person, you are a murderer. But in the world we live in, we, we think, how many lies does it take to make a person a liar? One? Ten? Twenty? Lie once a week? Lie just once a month? What's it take for a person to become a liar? Let me tell you something. In God's eyes, is one. Guys, God puts such an importance on what he wrote down. Because it's so important for you to be able to get it into your hands and to read it. So you'll know his promises. So you don't want to add to this thing. You don't want to take away. Now, I know men judge us in here because we're such, such strong King James believers. But that's where I'm going to be till the day I die. Amen. And I haven't took, I haven't, uh, I brought men in here that are, you know, ten times smarter than me. Dr. Deems. You know, help, the G, help design the GPS that they're using today. Uh, Dr. Deems. I mean, he's got a doctorate. He, I brought him in here to show y'all the evidence that why we have a King James Bible. All the evidence that bores some of y'all to death. I mean, some of y'all fell asleep during the conference, you know. And I don't blame you. It's dull. Some of it's dull. 
But you can't say in here, well, I didn't ever know. I just know it's king. No, I, we showed you all the evidence. But if you're in here and you say, well, I'm not smart enough to learn all that. I'm not educated enough to learn all that. Well, we got, I got books I can bar- let you borrow. Or you can just do simply this. You can just believe that God's given you a book. Guys, when I, I, when I decided years ago, I was a young man. I was about 22, 23. And I, I saw these problems with the NIV. And I was using the Greek and I was using the Hebrew. And, I was doing, and when I decided that time, I said, you know what? I figured out the King James Bible. I didn't know anything about it. I just said, you know what? I think I'm seeing what's going on here. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the King James Bible is my Bible. I made that decision in my heart that the, this Bible, the King James Bible is God's word. And when I did that, the knowledge that God gave me just exploded. I started learning all this stuff about the Bible. And then I, here I am today uh, teaching and preaching the word of God. Because I believe I got God's word to preach and teach to y'all. Uh, I didn't know those evidence. I didn't have the evidence of manuscript. I didn't know all the manuscript evidence. I didn't know all about the Greek and the Hebrew. I didn't know any of that. I just had made that decision. And years later, I started studying it. And then I went to Pensacola and started getting the evidence. And I started learning from other men. But guys, you don't have to do all of that. Amen. God doesn't work it, want it hard on you. God just says, just believe. Just simply believe. Just believe you got my words. And that's one of the main things. Every other version copies the King James Bible. Every one of them. Amen. They use the same numbering system. When, they, when the NIV takes a verse out of their Bible, you know what they do? They don't, they don't move the verse number up. They just take the number out. They don't say, they take number 30 out, and they don't move 31 up and make it 30. They just take number 30 out. So when you're reading along, it'll say verse 29, verse 31, and you're like, where's verse 30? Gone. <laughs> they follow the King James Bible. They compare themselves to the King James Bible because this is God's holy word. I believe that with all my heart. All right, next week we'll get a little further in the book of Revelation. It gets good, man. It gets really, really good.